Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Kevin Ingram. We will talk Vanderbilt baseball and men's basketball and even a little women's hoops as he covered that game today, today being Wednesday of the SEC tournament. Anyway, on to our interview with Kevin Ingram. Kevin Ingram is one of the two voices of Vanderbilt Athletics. He joins us today as he's driving home from the women's SEC tournament game in Chattanooga. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Actually, Chris, it was at Bridgestone Arena, so I didn't have it nearly as far to go. Oh, yeah. You, you could tell my, my following of women's basketball <laughs> might be a little lacking. So, uh, But in any case, I know folks were excited about that game. Give us a brief synopsis, synopsis of what you saw. <laughs> it might take me as long to get back as it would from Chattanooga, given yeah. the traffic situation, Carly. Right. Uh, Chris Vanderbilt just came roaring out of the gates and uh, defeated Texas A&M 85-69. Uh, Commodores will play tomorrow against Florida in the uh, tournament on Thursday. But uh, the first quarter really sort of decided the game. Vanderbilt led 29-10 to 10 after the first quarter. Ayanna Moore, the freshman, came out just knocking down one shot after another. She had most of her 18 points in the first half. And uh, Vanderbilt was able to build at one point a 21-point lead. A&M cut it down to single figures in the fourth quarter, but Vanderbilt really did a good job of slamming the door. Uh, you had some big-time performances, a triple-double from Jordan Cambridge, the Nashville native, in her first SEC tournament win, scored 13 points with 15 rebounds and 10 assists. And she got the 10th assist on a Brene Alexander three when the game was basically over with and Vanderbilt had a chance just to basically dribble out the clock. I think Brene was conscious that uh, Jordan had a chance at a triple-double. So she went ahead and put up a three and uh, knocked it down. She scored 23 to lead Vanderbilt and uh, Sasha Washington had 12 and 10. So Vandy really played well and, and again, sort of, answered A&M's charge there toward the end. It looked like they were going to potentially catch up and have a chance to win. It was the last game for Coach Gary Blair, the uh, legendary Texas A&M coach. He had won over 850 games, but uh, that was it for him. He, re- he was retiring after this season, and uh, it, was, it was fun to kind of hear his comments after the game and have a chance to shake his hand, too. But really happy for Shea Ralph and coaching staff. Uh, this team that uh, you know, they've kind of had their struggles trying to find their way with the first-year coaching staff, but they have a postseason win in the SEC tournament to go on their resume. Yeah, it seems like Shea Ralph is, again, following this very much from a distance, really interjected some life back in this program that it had lost. Yeah, she has. And, you know, she's uh, a person who's been around a lot of winning teams during her time at Connecticut and, and helped build a winner at Pittsburgh. Uh, during a few years there, during her career as an assistant coach, but her first time as a head coach, and you know, so far so good. I, I, I think pretty much any coaching staff that comes into a situation, you're gonna you're gonna want to win a whole lot faster than maybe you do. But uh, this team's definitely shown growth over the course of the season, especially on the defensive end. I get the feeling they'll take on anybody right now. Nashville, Chattanooga doesn't matter where, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just name the place. Uh, they'll go and play. But yeah, closer right. to home. Uh, just uh, two miles from campus at Spinnerina this week. Nice. Well, let's talk the men's team. Uh, the results haven't been what people wanted, but you can't say the games have been lacking for entertainment. No, that's for sure. Uh, maybe a little too entertaining. Uh, three straight really tough losses for this team, including against Florida on Tuesday night. Vanderbilt was ahead by five with about 
Uh, well, they, they took a five-point lead with 44 seconds, and Florida scored the last nine points of the game and won by four. Uh, just a, a crushing loss at Memorial Gym in the uh, home finale. Scotty Pippen Jr. has been amazing in this run. He had 29 more points on, on Tuesday after 32 at Mississippi State and had a big game against Alabama. He's averaged about 25 over the last six or seven games and uh, has gone up over 20 points for his season average. But uh, just team hasn't been able to find a way to make that big shot or uh, just make you know, the, the right play when they need to to have a chance to win a ball game. And, and you can't fault Scotty really uh, toward the end of that game against Florida. They had a run out in the pass down court, and he really didn't have a clean look at a layup. Went ahead and tried to take the shot anyway that, that might have put it on ice for Vanderbilt. Maybe the smart play would have been to dribble it out and wait for him to foul you, but you can't really blame him for trying to go ahead and attack and score the basket. But uh, from the backside, Fleming got the, the block, and then on the other end, he had a big three after a turnover. And uh, killer turnovers have, have uh, been something that's really hurt Vanderbilt throughout the season. So a close loss against Florida after Mississippi State, and that was after a two-point loss against Alabama last Tuesday night at Memorial. So it's, it's really I got one more to play in the regular season. A lot of the goal was to finish in the upper half of the SEC and maybe to finish 500 in conference play. And I kind of see that slip away here in these last few games. And really, if they get some help and they win the last game, they they can still have a a chance to uh, get a first round bye and not play on Wednesday. But it looks more likely like Vanderbilt will be uh, probably the 11th seed for the tournament in Tampa next week. Yeah, Texas A&M's got to lose at least one, and they've got to beat Ole Miss, of course, uh, to have a shot. But I feel bad for Scotty because the last few games, I think he's playing the best basketball of his career. I mean, he scored at least 23 points seven games in a row, and it's not like he's, you know, pulling a, a seven of 24 from the field. Um, you know, you just hate it last night because that's the way that game's going to be remembered, him missing that front end of the one and one. But I think, you right. know, apparently he's leaving Vanderbilt after this year, he says. You just hate to see a guy's last game in Memorial go down that way yeah that was tough he had those free throws with with just a couple of seconds left to potentially tie the game and miss the front end of the one and one uh gosh he did everything else under the sun in that game he's just gosh the guy's super tough and uh again scored 29 points but yeah it's gonna made those free throws at the end it would have made it interesting and potentially got the game to overtime but yeah it wasn't to be and uh you can't fault scotty he's just there hasn't been enough additional scoring to go with what he's doing every game. And you really wish Roddy Chapman could have been healthy uh, for the entire season. I think it would have really made a difference. And taking pressure off Scotty and others to bring the ball to the floor, Rodney really strong and you know, just making the right play, especially when teams are, are bringing traps or are pressuring defensively. Yeah. Um, 15 to 29 from three last <laughs> night, Florida 10 to 21. I don't know that there's been a game in the league this year with a three point shooting has been as good as it was last night. Boy, it was terrific. Vanderbilt was knocking him down. Pippen made some. Trey Thomas had a big game. He scored 17. Miles Studi uh, hit some threes. That was good to see. He's been a little banged up, I think. But, yeah, both teams were really knocking him down. But the biggest three of the game was the one by Florida's Landris Fleming uh, on that kick out by Colin Castleton. Uh, knocked it down to get Florida the lead after, again, Vanderbilt had led by five with you know, just a little over 30 seconds left. And uh, he made that big shot the shot clock off and gave Florida the lead and they were able to somehow escape with a win. I think they were probably uh, looking at each other and trying to figure out how they actually won that game and uh, the the other was true for uh, all the folks in black and gold last night. 
I want to talk some baseball, but let's hit the mailbag, if that's cool, because I've got three basketball-related questions there. Okay. Our mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Door King asks, why can't this team close out games? Well, yeah, that, that's a great question. I think uh, everybody, including Coach Jerry Stackhouse, would like the answer to that one. But, yeah, you just got to be able to, to make that shot when you have a chance. I mean, think about that game uh, against Mississippi State on Saturday. Vanderbilt was uh, – Junior missed one as well. And uh, the game turned right there. Was, you hit one of those shots and uh, it becomes – a different dynamic for the final minute or so. And really the same thing against Alabama. Vanderbilt had some chances in that game, certainly, uh, with either free throws or shots from the outside to uh, to make it a different dynamic for the uh, the final few seconds. But, yeah, sometimes uh, teams have to learn how to win close games. And it felt like this team was going in that direction earlier in the year. You think about the, uh, the game against BYU out in Hawaii and then Vanderbilt backed that up with a win over Arkansas on the road. And uh, you thought, okay, this, this team is a is, uh, – learning from these games and winning these close ones, but uh, it's been a tough stretch here lately. Mr. Vandy would like to know, will Rodney Chapman be back for the SEC tournament? I think that's the plan, and that's been their hope. Uh, they've rested him for the last several games with a hamstring injury, which uh, it originally happened during the game at Arkansas to open up SEC play. He came back and played in a few more, but then uh, I think re-aggravated it at some point, and uh, they've had to shut him down again. So uh, they're hoping... Uh, to have him back in time for the tournament next week. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Last one in the mailbag. What's your opinion on Jerry Stackhouse choosing to start running clock with three minutes plus left in the game? Was that too soon or not? And if it's way too soon, he says, I say it's way too soon, um, and he's curious on your take. Um, I don't know. Sometimes if you have a, a, you know, what feels like a bit of a working margin in a game, maybe it's not a bad idea to try to burn off a little clock and try to help get yourself to the finish line a little faster. I, I really didn't have any problem with uh, the way that went down last night. Okay, Vanderbilt plays Ole Miss on Saturday. Be the first time these two teams have played all year. Ole Miss is a little banged up. Um, 
Deshaun Ruffin, their star point guard recruit, is done for the year. Jarkel Joyner's been banged up, but he's back. I don't know how much you've gotten to watch again of Ole Miss this year, but I'm curious as your thoughts on how they might match up. Yeah, I've not seen very much of Ole Miss. Watch them some here and there. I really haven't begun my prep for that game yet. Uh, one thing you know is Kermit Davis's teams are typically tricky to try to solve defensively. Vanderbilt saw them a couple times last year in split. Vanderbilt won at home and lost on the road, but they play that 1-3-1. They jump into that 1-3-1 half-court defense, and it's really tough to try to deal with. So I would imagine we'll see uh, more of that coming up on Saturday. I think Kermit's a terrific coach. He, of course, was in Middle Tennessee for a lot of years. and got to know him there. So looking forward to going there. I've not been to the pavilion. I walked around outside of it when we were down there for baseball last spring. But uh, looking forward to, to calling a game in uh, Ole Miss's new home, which they've been in that for a few years after playing a lot of years with the pad pad. But uh, looking forward to uh, going to Oxford on Saturday. Well, let me ask you an easier one. Vanderbilt and Georgia are probably going to play in the SEC tournament on Wednesday night next week. Unless Vanderbilt wins at Ole Miss and A&M loses against, let's see. They play Alabama and Mississippi State. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, all three of those have got to happen. And then if that happens, Vandy wins the tiebreaker. But let's presume it doesn't uh, because otherwise you, you have no idea who they play. Um, how do you think a third matchup with Georgia goes? Yeah, you know, there's the old thing about trying to beat a team three times. I don't know that that really comes into play here. Vanderbilt played really well in both the regular season meetings. Uh, beat them in Athens and then uh, got them again in Nashville. Vanderbilt, uh, again, uh, was really solid in both those games against the Bulldogs this season. Now, sometimes you wonder what the motivation is for these teams. Uh, how desperate will Georgia be when they go to the SEC tournament? The future might be for Tom Crean, their head coach. But uh, they're, they're one of those teams they've challenged people and they've, they've you know, had some games where they were really close but haven't been able to close the deal, which you know, is familiar to us. So, yeah, I think a, a third matchup will be interesting to watch it if that comes to pass. But Vanderbilt's uh, had the upper hand in the first two. Georgia certainly has some capable players. Uh, there's no question about that. Aquendo, gosh, he had that monster dunk in that game. He's so good. On Tuesday. Yeah, he's a really nice player, but Vanderbilt's done a pretty decent job on him in the uh, two meetings so far, knock on wood. So, yeah, if we see a third matchup, uh, it'll be certainly interesting after Vanderbilt took the first two. Okay, let's talk baseball. I just am amazed at the number of power arms they have. It seems to be a, a staff that can throw some strikes. We'll find out a little more in a why. That won't be a just a walk in the park for them. But what have you seen from the pitching staff eight games in? Yeah, it's been really impressive. Uh, gosh, double-figure strikeouts pretty much every time out. I've uh, been really impressed with a young left-hander, Carter Holton. Uh, it's almost like he's a left-handed version of Jack Ryder, just straight-up power stuff. He's terrific. Uh, and, you know, maybe – I don't know if you're seeing roles take shape just yet, uh, but seeing you know, Thomas Riley and – or uh, seeing, seeing Riley and, and uh, Thomas Schultz out of the bullpen and you know, maybe uh, how some of those things are taking shape. Uh, we saw Maldonado start, moved into the Sunday role. They kind of flip-flopped from the first weekend, and – McElvain, again, got the Friday start. So, yeah, the pitching's been really impressive, and uh, it is an amazing collection of arms. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, you, they, it, it's just remarkable to me how polished a lot of these young pitchers are. You know, when they arrive in college at Vanderbilt and other places, and then you put them with a, a pitching coach like Scott Brown, and they're only going to get better. So, yeah, it, it's been pretty fun to watch so far. How concerned are you about the hitting, or is it too early? And the reason I ask it, I just think that the, the great Vanderbilt teams I've seen 
are getting maybe 13, 14 runs in these games. They're getting five to nine-ish in, in some of these midweek games and games against lesser out-of-conference teams. And I just I'm a little worried because you're seeing some of the same patterns that you did a year ago, but I also know, hey, we just got to March. The weather's been cold. You got some guys that weren't 100 percent coming into the year. I'm just curious your take on their lineup so far. Yeah, the uh, the strikeouts have stacked up on the offensive side too at times, and probably a little more than uh, Coach Tim Corbin would like. Uh, and hopefully those will come down because. I don't know how much power this team's going to have, and we've seen him hit some home runs. Parker Nolan hit one in the game against Central Arkansas. Um, you know, and, and Dominic Keegan is just, he just hammers the ball all over the field, uh, really more of a, a doubles hitter. Uh, but yeah, you like to see those strikeouts come down. Uh, Davis Diaz is, looks like uh, he, he's going to be a guy who's probably going to be you know, plug and play as, as a freshman, just like Enrique Bradfield was last year. He's been playing a lot at third base and doing some good things uh, uh, with the bat as well. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's it's probably too early to be too concerned because, like you said, the weather has been uh, hasn't exactly been the best so far. So yeah, we'll see how things shake out as we kind of move through these next couple of weeks and get closer to SEC play coming up. Where do you think this settles at first base? I was thinking about this today and even wrote it, about it a bit. I mean, you've got Keegan's played there, Colwick's played there, Vastine's played there, or Vastine. I can't remember which the correct pronunciation is there. Um, Cassis got a start there. I mean, it seems like you've got four, five, six options there. And a lot of it probably has to do with whether Dom Keegan is catching or not. Um, because if he's not catching, he's probably playing that or first. But I just am wondering if you have a gut feel. Oh, Parker Nolan. I knew I was leaving somebody out. Yeah. Um, wh- where do you think I- they settle in there when it gets to be middle of the SEC season? I think that's a good question. Um, all those guys you mentioned, it looks like the catching is going to be Keegan and Jack Vulture. Keegan getting the bulk of the work behind the plate and then Vulture uh, filling in, in, the, in maybe a, you know, a middle game of a three-game series or in a midweek game. But Keegan's bat is going to be in the lineup, whether it's in a DH spot or, or behind the plate. And that, that kind of leaves the others. Parker Nolan is such an you know, experienced guy that you get the feeling he's going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, I'm not sure how things might shake out with the rest of those guys. And again, you know, Davis Diaz has been playing third base, and that doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be some combination of the people you mentioned. I would lean probably more toward Parker Nolan if I had to guess. Yeah, that's my guess too, because he does all the things that Tim Corbin likes him to do on and off the field. Um, he, he almost never comes out of the lineup uh, ever since he's been on campus. And so I think that's the right bet. But I mean, Nolan Nolan could DH too, but I guess look if you got a guy who can play third, you would think he could play first too. So I, I guess there's that. Maybe the better question is, you know, the first base and DH slots because really that's that's where they rotate a lot of the parts. Yeah, and you know we, we've seen uh, you mentioned Jonathan Bastine. He got the start on open. He really had some good footwork playing first base, and uh, several of their guys that they brought in in this recruiting class are shortstops, which that, that's an advantage because you can play them basically anywhere if you can play shortstop. Maybe some options. Uh, we'll see Troy Eve. I'm sure you want to get his bat in the lineup. Uh, and Jack Bolger is going to be a, a guy who's going to play a whole lot. So yeah, you definitely have uh, several options that you can use in those first base, first base and uh, DH roles. How close to 100% do you think Javier Vaz is? Um, or Vaz? Because they have 
they pulled him late in games at times, and I'm, I'm sure when it's cold and damp, too, that's an ideal spot to pull a guy who's a little banged up. But that's one that's kind of interesting to watch because you don't want to see an injury that's kind of moderate turn into something more severe. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to give you a good answer on that. I, I'm not sure about uh, Javier Vaz and his, uh, his injury. Uh, I know he's a guy who, you know, he's given this team a spark. He put in the starting lineup, uh, played throughout the postseason last year, and starting off this season, but hopefully uh, he'll be healthy and good to go for the bulk of the season here. Yeah, I really wonder, you know, speaking to him, you look at some of the on-base percentages on this team. You got Vaz at 476. You've got, um, I'm sorry, I'm reading the stats a day old. They haven't updated them. But, I mean, you got several guys above 400. You got Vaz. You got Jones. You've got Keegan. You've got um, Diaz is, is over 500. Um, I'm just wondering what that batting order looks like. Bradfield has not had the, the Bradfield year yet, but you figure he's going to be an all-mace machine. I know that's one thing I really like about that lineup, Kevin. They got a lot of dudes who can get on base. Yeah, that's very true. And Spencer Jones, to me, is, is one of the more intriguing players on this team. Uh, at six foot seven, you would think he'd have just a big home run swing, but really more of a line drive hitter. And we've seen him get on base a lot, so... Uh, hopefully he can keep that up throughout the course of the season. Uh, he, he's interesting to me because he you know, obviously has such a big strike zone, but man, he can he can really swing the bat and not really in the way that you might think when you see him. So yeah, having guys that can get on base is the name of the game for for Tim Corbin as we've seen throughout the years, whether it's drawing walks or putting down bunts or what do you have, whatever you have to do to get on base and keep things moving. Kevin, any parting thoughts? Anything you want to promote with the school as we end the podcast today? I uh, just want to mention coming up on Saturday, 4.30 pregame, 5 o'clock tip-off for Vanderbilt at Ole Miss in basketball. And, of course, we'll have all the uh, – Andrew Allegret is out in Hawaii, or at least on his way as we speak. And he'll have all the games uh, with the Vandy boys taking on Hawaii this weekend. It's a, a four-game series out in Honolulu, which is never a bad place to be. Hey, Kevin, thanks a bunch. We'll catch up with you again in a couple of weeks. Anytime, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.